So Mike, we're doing things a little bit differently this time. I'm just, I'm getting right into it. Guys, it's the box office bonanza game for the 2019 comedy drama film Zeroville starring James Franco, Megan Fox, Seth Rogen, Will Ferrell, and a whole lot of other famous people. Mike, how are you feeling today? I'm, I'm, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm, 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 little, I'm, I'm confused. I'm mad, but most of all, I'm excited to play the box office bonanza game. I'm happy, yeah, happy, to, happy to be here, Pat. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, our box office bonanza game is when I tell Michael Flaherty the budget of a film, and he has to guess what the box office is. Okay, so, all right. So, Mike, let's get started off. The budget for the 2019 film Zeroville was six million dollars okay how much money did it make at the box office all right okay six million um Mm -hmm. it's got this movie has a lot of a-list actors like they have some heavy 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 hitters playing in this movie okay so we got some heavy hitters um, I'm assuming this is more passion project considering the budget. This feels more this feels more like someone whoever directed this kind of just went, this is my baby. I presses be damned, this will come out. So I'm gonna assume let's go with a crisp. You said six mil, right? Yep, six million. Let's go two point five. Lower. Oh no. Uh seven hundred fifty. Lower. Oh no. Oh uh okay, all right, all right. We're we're entered mom and dad territory. Uh okay, okay, all right. Final answer hundred and hundred and ten thousand. Lower. Who saw this goddamn movie? What do you mean lower? There's the lower you can go, dude. Did James Franco just have a bunch of buddies that he saw it with? What was it? Was it? Was it fifty thousand? You overshot it, Mike. I'm going to tell you what it is. This movie made sixty nine thousand three hundred and ninety six dollars per. Box office mojo. That's how much this. That's how much money this movie made. Six. Oh, oh my god. What? Oh. What? Oh. Oh. Oh god. Oh my. You see what? why I had to skip the shenanigans at the beginning and just just jump right into this. See, that's 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 the thing. Is like is like when you just went. We're gonna cut to the box office game. I was like, man, we're not leading anyone in. We're not going, guys. Welcome back to the messed up midnight podcast, the podcast, and then some bit. It's just we're just you're just like you're like this movie made nothing. I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, okay, yeah, dude. Well, it, all right, where the like? There's a part of me that thinks that the budget of this movie, like entire, like they said, fuck marketing. We're just gonna upload the trailer on YouTube. And just see what happens. <laughs> it doesn't even feel like it doesn't even feel like any of the actors in the movie promoted it. It's not like mm-hmm. they went onto Will Ferrell's Will Ferrell's Twitter or like Megan Fox's Twitter or Seth Rogen's Twitter and just went, "Hey, 
promote the movie. So like then you get the companies buzzing. Mm-hmm. They literally just went eh. and that was it. And you're like, oh, okay. Fuck. All right. Damn. I guess we're not promoting anything. Now, I do want to talk about the production of this movie, but Mike, I want to ask you first, what did you think of this movie? Oh, my God. It's okay. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably have some vague vested interest in movies, not in like a like I'm a movie buff sort of sense in a like I enjoy movies sort of way. Mm -hmm. And and and. We've all, we, all of us in our movie watching career, no matter how extensive or how short it may be, we've all ran into that one film guy. We all know the film guy I'm talking about. The one where you, where someone, where the guy goes up to you and goes, oh, what's your favorite movie? And you sit there and just turn and go, oh, uh, role models. I really like role models. I thought that was a really good movie. And then they go, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And you're just like, okay, all right, you know what? Go, go to, go to hell, go to hell. It's I, I can enjoy, I can enjoy wedding crashers and not get made fun of. All right, <laughs> like you dick. And that is, if you had to sit there and put that person who 100% works at like some either hipstery bar or at some local uh, physical DVD chain, who's if you gave him the money to make a movie, I feel like this is the output that would that would happen. That is what I think this movie is. It's just film student. It's, it's just stupid film student who made something very self-congratulatory. That's my that is my that that is my TED talk on this. And you know, I actually I haven't done this before. After this movie after I was done watching this movie I just like opened up a document and just kind of threw down like my thought, like just my immediate reaction to this. And I actually wrote down something very similar. I described mm-hmm. it as a bad art house movie. Like this is what mm-hmm. ha- <clears throat> excuse me, this is what happens when you give a brand new film nerd, like I think middle school, high school, that like Mike was saying, that kid whose decade of choice when it comes to cinema is the seventies. And you tell that kid, hey, write a script. And this is fucking exactly what they come up with. Like they try to do this thing where they're following James Franco throughout a decade of the 70s. But it all feels so scatterbrained. People get introduced, then forgot about, then remembered like throughout this whole movie. And Mike, you didn't. Do do you know who the director of this movie is? You know what? I I don't know who it is, but I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say James Franco directed this himself. That this You're feels damn like, right. You are damn right. He this directed is, this I, movie. Okay. All right. All right. And you know what? You know how I you know how I so I so read this and was just like this is James Franco's thing because and you, you know why? Because James Franco. I don't know. If, I don't know. And remember, we are not a Hollywood tabloid thing, but. Mm-hmm. We will, but you know what? When it ties in, it ties in. I don't know if you know this, but James Franco is a weird artiste. Self-proclaimed artiste. That, that's one way to put it. He he literally will sit there and just like, he paints as well as George W. Bush. And it's always of, <laughs> like, I remember, I remember some, some, he posted on, on social media, 
like a like a painting he painted of him like him like having sex with Seth Rogen like it's a painting mm-hmm. and it's just weird and then on top of that he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a, he's a piece of shit predator who mm-hmm. got who got out who got outed during uh during the B2 movement mm-hmm. but like he just does this self-congratulatory bit with all of the stuff he does. So I just saw this and just harebrained, nonsensical ode to Hollywood. I was just like, this feels James Franco. This feels James Franco. And it and I wanted to you brought it up. So like Mike mentioned, this was, you know, after the um, when did when did all that uh, stuff with James that Franco was tw- and like getting that was canceled late 2017. Happened? That was late 2017, early to mid 2018. Okay, so yeah, this movie came out after all of that in 2019, and was actually it's actually the final collaboration between James Franco and Seth Rogen because in 2021, uh, Seth Rogen came out and said he would not be working with Franco anymore due to the misconduct allegations, and. You know, like we said, we're, we're not a celebrity tabloid podcast, whatever. But if you're going to end your tenured collaboration with this movie, oh my god! Talk about a talk about a a whimper out. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and it's not like and granted, your opinion on the Seth Rogen James Franco movies are your opinion. That's totally mm-hmm. fair. Like, they are not for everyone. I know plenty of people who hate Seth Rogen movies, and I totally understand that. But, like, looking back on the success a lot of these movies have, like, you have movies like Pineapple Express, which is, like, one of the best stoner movies I've seen. You have movies like, uh, I don't know if James Franco was involved in Superbad, but he was in This Is The End. Like, This Mm -hmm. Is The End is a magnificent R-rated comedy movie. And... Freaks and Geeks. All of... Oh yeah, there there we go. Freaks and Geeks yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Like it's they have this like they have some real heavy hitters under their belt. So it's like seeing just like everything like you said, it goes out with not this big bombastic end, but this just whimper mm-hmm. of a movie. Oh, yeah. It's just and it's just wild just to see. It's strange, but dude, what's even stranger I would say is the production of this movie. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, this was shot in fall of 2014. And remember, I said what? this came out in 2019. Yeah, fall of 2014. And then in 2015, the uh, distributor, Alchemy, acquired the distribution rights to this movie, but would later go on to file for bankruptcy. So now the film didn't have any distributors and in my head canon, I'm just thinking that this movie just lied around in a hard drive somewhere for like four years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's yeah. not that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. But in, in my head, like that's what that's why I tell myself happened. And then later on, my cinema acquired the distribution rights in April of 2019, which I really got to say to release a movie, especially like this, you kind of picked a bad time to release it in 2019 because another movie that takes place in Hollywood in the 70s also came out that year in <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So it's it's, it's so funny. It's it's the yin to the yang of self-congratulatory ode to Hollywood movies. 
because Quentin Tarantino is no, it's no goddamn secret that Quentin Tarantino is a movie fanatic. Like the dude, the dude breathes movies, which mm-hmm. is good and bad. Good in the sense where it's like, yeah, he put, he cares, but bad in the sense of my God, he is the, mo- he is the pinnacle of movie guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he at least has the chops to put together something of a certain quality after having subjected himself to movies end on end. James Franco is like half baked, great value. Quentin Tarantino, where he goes, where he goes, yeah, yeah. Sophistication. Yeah. Smash cuts of Megan Fox dancing. And everyone's like, what? That's what? That's not, it's not, that's not sophisticated. He's like, shut the hell up. Yeah, it is. You're like, Okay. All right. Okay. And you see now what I'm going to pitch is that we get James Franco to uh, remake Pulp Fiction and just oh, and just God. see what happens. It's I like I, I, I'm I'm not saying it would be better. I'm not saying it would be worse. I'm just saying I just want to see what happens. I, I kind of do want I do want to sit James Franco down and just go. I'm not giving you any money for this. But if you have money to burn. How about you remake like something, a cheap Quentin Tarantino movie? Go through his catalog, pick a movie. Let's go Reservoir Dogs. That's a cheap one. That's a that's a notoriously cheap one. Just, just I want to see what your where your head's at. Where your head's at. You got the beginning, middle, and end. Just you know, fill in the details. It's like think of it like an improv game, James. <laughs> Listen, hey, I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it, James Franco. It's if you're honest, listening. It would honestly be the most. It would be the most. <laughs> nuts thing in the world not because it's like crazy and kooky but in the sense that you have the source material and you can look at him and just go what happened what happened at what point did it all just go wildly wildly wrong mm-hmm. exactly and now uh, i want to mention the razzies real quick because you know whenever it's nominated for a razzie i feel like we kind of have to mention it nominated at for three point, yeah. Worst director for James Franco, worst actor for James Franco, and worst supporting actor for Seth Rogen. And I really got to give props to Megan Fox for missing a nomination here. Good for you. Surprisingly enough, she did skate by. It's my lord. It's just... (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. One, my God, James Franco, I half think he should have swept. Like even the supporting actor, just give it to James Franco. Oh, dude, no, no, no. He he wasn't he wasn't gonna sweep. Do you know? Do you know what came out that same year? I actually don't. What did? Cats. Oh, oh, Which, oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, eh. No, dude, never mind. Never fucking mind. <laughs> any other I year? Just... I'm, any other year? I'm with you, but this year, no, 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 no. No, not happening. It's exactly, exactly. You know what? I'm damn. That's me. That's on me. That's on me. How could I forget Cat James Corden and Cat Dame Judy Dench and Cat Taylor Swift? Like it's just. Oh God, cats! Please let's never talk about cats. Please, dog, dog, dog. Wasn't there? I forgot. Wasn't there a cut of cats? Where they had, where they had to like, where they, where they had like the cat butts, but they had to like edit out the cat butts or something like that. There's some weird shit regarding how like the editors edited cat little like buttholes or something like that, uh, and they had to get edited out. And it was, dude, we we may have to talk about now. cats. <laughs> we, we, dude, we may need to talk about cats because, dude, cats is 
That's no, it's a bad. Tough I don't. One. I don't. I don't want. Okay, sorry. We're no. We're not talking about cats anymore on this podcast. Mark my words. Imagine Never. getting. Imagine getting dwarfed by fucking cats. Imagine your movie isn't is so insignificant that even in the bad movie space, it gets its ass handed to it by cats. <laughs> So, Mike, okay, let's let's move on from cats. Now I'm going to ask you the important questions. Okay. If if this movie were a drink, what would it be and why? All right. So <laughs> this movie put all of its money into one thing. It's cast. Mm-hmm. This movie put no effort into making the making uh making continuity makes sense which you know even the movie calls out by saying fuck continuity so many times uh the movie is half-baked it's self-absorbed it's an entirely nonsensical movie where it's less of a cohesive story and just a, a series of things occurring that james franco's character kind of forced gumps his way through mm-hmm. So let's let's start with let's start with the base. Let's start with James Franco. James Franco's character is the intention, I'm sure, was that he was supposed to be quiet, pensive, sophisticated. Someone who someone who like he's an outsider, so he can look at Hollywood from a different lens. And you know what Hollywood needed at that time? A different lens. Mm. But what actually happened was James Franco plays this stone statue that is that just grimaces occasionally and 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 just is so unemotive and uninteresting it just brings actual pain it, you know you fucked up as an actor when you being on screen with another person makes the other person no matter how bad their acting is look amazing mm-hmm so for that, I wanted to pick bottom shelf clearance aisle gin. There was an attempt at sophistication. Boy, it collapsed in on itself. Now, the other now let's go, let's let's move forward to Will Farrell. Will Farrell play Will Farrell's in this movie, which is, you know, he, what, he wasn't of the time. I think he went uncredited in the movie, but you know what? Sure, he's here. Which is which is insane. He's here and he plays a decently large role as well. So he plays a, a like a hot shot producer who recruits James Franco and he's he's an asshole. He's old Hollywood, but he's this very larger than life, you know, tropical like sex drugs and movies sort of thing. And you're like, "Okay, cool." But it's all feels very fake. It does because Will Ferrell's doing it, it feels so weird. So I'm gonna make it a pina colada. But it feels like Will Ferrell's being forced to do it. Like it feels it doesn't feel genuinely Will Ferrell being in a movie. So we're gonna make it a canned pina colada. I don't know if those are things, but I'm the, those canned cocktails, I'm assuming they have a pina colada. Moving on, Megan Fox. Megan Fox is in this movie, not because of her genuine acting credits, not because she actually contributes a lot to the movie. She's literally attractive. 
That's her. She's got a kid. We could, yeah, that spices things up a little bit. But for the most part, she's just there to just look interesting and pretty and to make people go like, oh, she's attractive. So you know what? We're just picking Pink Whitney again. It was in the Bratz. It's left over. Uh, all it does is add visuals to it. There's nothing interesting to it, though. So we're adding in Pink Whitney. Now, finally, for me, the last person who is who is a main part of this movie, who I'm going to talk about, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen plays a sexist uh, jerk of a like of a film producer or director or whatever. He's loud. He's annoying. And he makes every scene that he's in worse outside of the ones where it's just him and James Franco because someone's got to look better and it's never going to be James Franco. So we're just going to pick crack open a natty light and take take a cigar, light that cigar up and then put the cigar into the natty light. Okay, now we've got all of our actors together. Pour all of those drinks into one vessel. But wait, the movies, that's the second part. It's movies. It's an ode to Hollywood. We gotta make a Hollywood cocktail. So I'm pulling out two very famous Hollywood cocktails from the 40s and 50s. Because because this movie, god damn, does it love referencing movies from the 40s and 50s. Uh, So we're going to go with Casablanca, mentioned by name, French 75. Grab, pour yourself a French 75, pour that into the vessel. Now, I couldn't find something for Empire of the Sun or Sunset Boulevard, but I did find some like it hot. Very famous, a Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Make yourself a classic Manhattan, pour that into your vessel, give that a huge stir, and then, but this is too interesting. This is making me viscerally sick. Rub that under a faucet, faucet of water, until it becomes, eh, it's annoying, but yeah, I could drink it. Like, it's very bad, but I could, I could stomach it. Mm-hmm. And while you're stomaching this cocktail, you need to, I want you to blast recordings of yourself telling you how fantastic you are. Ugh. You have to, you should be drinking this cocktail to just your own voice telling you, you're great, you're great, you're doing amazing. What you do is unlike any other. And that is my cocktail. <laughs> I, I never thought we would have a cocktail on this podcast that requires positive affirmations. <laughs> exactly. You see, your cocktail, like, at the start, I was like, I was like, well, well okay, what's going on here? Where, where are we going to get, where, where do we go from here? And then somehow you were able to, like, loop it back, just watering everything down. And then adding in the little James Franco spice to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the characters and stuff I'm intrigued by because I didn't really I didn't really use any of the character. I tried to go for more like conceptual. So I feel like yours was more Absolutely. like you know, act, actual like things. And I was like I was going for a little bit more like a concept. So absolutely. That, so your drink actually that. like the first like up until the natty light. I was like, well, that actually sounds, you know drinkable you know it sounds pretty good you know i'm not a gin guy but you know i'll give it i'll give a gin pina colada a shot <laughs> you just hear you just hear natty light with cigar with a cigar in it you're like okay you lost me <laughs> so so for me i'm like okay 
bad art house movie about old Hollywood with random cameos from other famous people that serve no rhyme or reason. This cocktail is one I'm, I'm bringing. A, I'm doing a lot of situations recently. I don't know. I've been in that vibe. So we're going with the situation. So this is a cocktail you will be making for, say, a fancy work party that you and your significant other are going to. Think like, you know, skyscrapers surrounded by intellectuals and you want to make a good impression and offer whatever the center person is at this party a cocktail. So the party stops as you head behind the bar and they're all watching you. So you go and you get a red wine. That's your base. You're looking, but the fancy stuff is gone. But there's like a leftover bottle of three buck chuck red. So under the bar, you just kind of pour the three buck chuck into the fancy bottle and then take out the fancy bottle and pour the three buck chuck into your shaker. And you know, the party's like, oh, he's using some fancy wine. When in actuality, no, you are not. <laughs> like, okay, what is he going to do? Pour it into a shaker bottle. And you know, you're a little juvenile. You know, you, you like, you like, you know, your lowbrow humor. You know, I thought, you know, maybe some people might get a kick out of, you know, mixing it up a little bit. You know, just because this is an artsy fartsy party doesn't mean we can't have a good laugh. I mean, have y'all seen Swiss Army Man? So you're going to go searching for some tequila. You know, we can have fun, right? You say to the party and, you know, it gets a laugh and we're, you know, all having a good time. So you mix in like one and a half ounces of tequila with your wine. So while this is going on, you're waxing poetic and using words that are way out of your vocabulary to describe what you're making. You know, maybe one or two people hear this and are like, I don't think that means what he thinks it means. But, you know, they, they don't say anything. But this drink also has love, you think. So you add some creme de violet, one and a half ounces. You thought the drink you had would approach, you know, a floral f- uh, flavor differently with, you know, what we've established. But, you know, okay, more people are like, what? But, you know, the, the crowd is still largely with you. But then you remember the 70s. How could you forget? These people are all about, you know, old Hollywood. And you know, how could you? The Tom Collins was, you know, popular during this time. So you add four ounces of club soda, which, you know, spreads the confusion wider. If you were going for 70s, why not go like a different route that I don't fucking know doesn't include club soda. But you think it needs more love. So you add more creme de violet and then half an, like half an ounce and add a little more tequila. You're really trying to like balance all these pieces you have but you're really not, and people are starting to notice. You think, hmm, there's something else I could add. An egg white at the very end. So maybe someone said something about eggs earlier in the night, and you decide, hey, I'm going to loop that back in, but right now, you know, sure, 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 sure. Now, the majority of the room is questioning you. The one person that you have left on your side is the center person at this party. And you pour the drink into a out into a wine glass, and it's an odd color, the center guy says something smart and witty that gets a kick out of the people around him. Maybe he sees something in this drink that everyone else doesn't. But before he drinks it, you add two olives that you had left over from some hors d'oeuvres. And you toss those in there. And the center guy drinks it. He tastes it. He's really like stopping to think, like really trying to analyze the taste. And then he just pipes up. He's like, yeah, that was awful. And now everybody is laughing at you. That's this movie wow. trying to be so artsy fartsy and it's just kind of completely missing its core demographic. 
Yeah, it's. I, I gotta say, I gotta say, in terms of concept, I did like it. I like it. The, <laughs> I do like the inclusion of tequila. The like, let's spice it up. I because that does remind me of a lot of like the points in this movie where they try and like add that lightheartedness and like mm-hmm. fun bits to it when. All of it just feels like this very awkward ham-fistedness. I also love that you swapped out the fancy red wine for three buck chuck. Like, <laughs> like as in you come, you come to this skyscraper party, you're just like, hey, he's like, now you can really party, huh? But I did like it. I like it. I also, I do like that the choice of the choice of taking taking like a couple olives from the hors d'oeuvres tray and just dropping it in, going. Yeah, yeah, now we're working. It's just this deep red cocktail with with olives floating in it. Because for me, like the hors d'oeuvres were like, oh, by the way, here's Danny McBride and Craig Robinson. Just, just out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. It's just you throw in you throw in a bunch of people who just just don't fit really. Who just who's just like, are you like you could have this be pretty much anybody you didn't need it to be this person but okay it is what it is but guys let's let's just get right into talking about zeroville so our first shot is of will ferrell who was not announced like he was went uncredited in this movie like i said before and he's monologuing about a movie that has unofficially been directed by nobody Something going is going on, and it brings it him to talking to James Franco. We cut a black and white montage of James Franco shaving his head and just random fucking shots. From here, you're like, okay, it's gonna be one of those movies. And then you see his head tattoo, which it's he gets off the bus and like he r- gets on the ground and like takes his face and presses it against handprints and concrete. Watches old Hollywood movies, sleeps on a park bench, wanders through the Hollywood hills. And if this is confusing you, it's confusing us when we're watching it. It's like, like, it's this whole sequence of him going to Hollywood. It's so weird because, you know, you know who this made me think of? Who? This made me think of the guy from Drive. But if he was a half baked, like, underdeveloped, nothing burger of a character this guy who's who's subjected himself to so many movies and he just he's almost misconstrued that he is the character in a movie and you're like oh wow that's an interesting concept and then just it doesn't get delivered Mm -hmm. because for him for for me watching it like i just i just watched this all occur and it doesn't look endearing or like oh okay he's Wow, he really likes movies. And just me going like, oh, he's okay, he's weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like at least with Driver, he had like goals and aspirations. With this movie, (laughs) like he the James Franco just kind of feels like he's just wandering around and nothing's really affecting like he doesn't emote any, except in like maybe, oh, I don't know, the next scene when the cops were called on James Franco and he's in an interrogation room. Being interrogated by Mike Starr and Danny fucking McBride. I can just tell. I can just tell that Franco called in every favor in the book mm-hmm. to get the, for this movie. Like he was 
because you said this recorded this this movie was filmed in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was yank. He was hot off the heels of This Is the End, and he's like, "Oh, I'm doing my movie." He goes, "Oh yeah, McBride, Craig Robinson, Seth Rogen. Hell, let's bring Will Ferrell in, Megan Fox. Sure, why not? Because like, he just Danny McBride fucking drops in. Mm-hmm. He just drops in." Out of nowhere. There's no lead in. It's just, he just starts. And also, they just yell at him. They don't, they don't actually interrogate him. They're just like, they're just like, bah, 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 bah. Dude, who the fuck are you? Did you kill Sharon Tate? And he's like, no. They just randomly drop in just the, the, the Sharon Tate murders. And is like, what's going on? And uh, yeah, he, like, so James Franco is just fucking screaming. He's shaking his head violently, screaming, no, no, no. And then the interrogation just kind of ends. And now Franco is at a studio lot to build film sets. And, and I want and I want to point something out, guys. We do not see Danny McBride ever again throughout this whole movie. This does nothing for the plot. You see, okay, this is good. This kind of pissed me off a little bit because I'm about to I'm about to do something I haven't done before. I'm about to give Geely some credit, okay? Oh, Hear me out. oh my god. Hear me out. Because at least with the cameos in Geely, you can kind of see how like the characters there was where it's like a Al Pacino and Chris and uh, Christopher Walken. They're they at least like serve some type of point to like either pass along exposition. Al Pacino shoots a guy. Granted, it's hokey, but they at least have an effect on the plot. With Zeroville, Danny McBride's cameo is like, hey, here's Danny McBride. And that's it. <laughs> Like he yeah, doesn't no. show up for the rest of the fucking movie. I, I can't believe I'm agreeing with you. At least Jilly tied them to the plot. It's like, I shit you not. It does nothing. It does jack shit for this, for this movie to include Danny McBride, but he's here. Like, it just felt like Danny McBride almost cornered James Franco and was just like, had some dirt on him and just went, I need to be in this movie. And James Franco's like, fuck, uh, okay. And then he just throws in Danny McBride at the last second because what the hell? Yeah, it just, it makes absolutely zero fucking sense. I don't know if like Danny McBride was just coming up to me like, hey, remember when we were in your highness? And Franco was like, oh, fuck, what do you want? Oh, oh my <laughs> and just, God. And just fucking, it was like, okay, fine, I'll, Put you in this movie. Meanwhile, Dan McBride didn't realize it was going to be seen by like, I don't know, the two of us and maybe three other people. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how does it feel to be a part of an exclusive club, Max? <laughs> it's not good. Couple, if I'm being honest, is, is this this feels more like a punishment. This feels more like a punishment than most of these low, low budget, low, low grossing movies. So. We get a montage of James Franco painting, moving wood, and having a head tattoo. That's one of his character traits. So that outside, is, which which about that, that physical like attribute a, is a character trait? Well, exactly. It's from like an old um, Montgomery Clift movie. Um, I can't it's, remember what the, I think name, it's, what the name of it. Is. It's not Empire. Is it Empire of the Sun or Empire in the Sun? Or it's I'll look it up. Give me a second. You go. Yeah. No, I I got you. So. So outside, Franco walks by a movie being filmed, and the director is calling cut. Actors are acting. Where Jackie Re- uh, Weaver, who plays actual like real life editor, film editor Dottie Langer, stops to talk to Franco. 
And then Seth Rogen drives up, who's known as Viking Man. And he's on a golf cart smoking a cigar, and he's working on a Western. And over on the movie, the actress wants to wait until the director, John, is there. Some guy yells at Seth Rogen. The actress quits. Uh, Rogen asks Franco if he surfs. Um, what the fuck is this movie? Um, yeah. So, so, Mike, did you ever figure out what movie it was? No, it's it's they're just filming a knockoff. Oh uh, wait, oh oh oh, it's, it's a place in the sun. The Montgomery okay, Cliff one is yeah. a place in the. Yeah. Okay, so so at night, Franco he rides a bus and goes to get a key at the Roosevelt Hotel. It's the same room that Montgomery Cliff uh, is uh, stayed at, room nine two eight. And Franco's carrying around this like I don't fucking know. He's carrying like a high school model you make for like science class, like a small architectural like, building. That's what he's carrying around. It's you know what it is. It's the fucking Derek Zoolander library for children who can't read good. Levels of hokiness. Honestly, like, yeah. It is literally just this. It's quite literally just this like flat, just sort of three D white structure that he just walks around in and like. There's like there's hints at what it is, but no one elaborates on what it is. And it's not like a and it's it. Now, you may think you may wrongfully give credit to Franco and just say, could it be a like similar to the uh, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction where it's like, ooh, what's in the briefcase? No, Mm -mm. it is not. It's just a structure that he walks around with at all points in time. You know, I see that structure, and my first thought is, you know, if you're doing, if you're working in Cinema 4D or Element 3D, you really need to drop the <laughs> materials on. Otherwise, it's just gonna come looking, come out looking white. So, you yeah. know, really do that for your model. Like, really make yeah, sure your yeah. materials are linked in your models. <laughs> Sorry, I had to had that little. Exactly. That was literally like the exactly. only thought yeah. I had. I'm such a fucking nerd. Absolutely. No, you're just. <laughs> You're just looking at that, just going like, yeah, it looks like shoddy craftsmanship. That's what it looks like, actually. <laughs> so Franco goes up to his room. We get random flashes of old movies. Then, boom, it's daytime. So Franco and Rogan are driving out to surf. Rogan has a gun in the glove compartment, and they're smoking oh weed. Stupid yeah. fucking gun. So the, <laughs> um, they talk about his head tattoo. Um, of, um, it's Here it says, Place in the Sun. It was the first movie that Franco ever saw 11 months ago. And turns out Franco grew up in a seminary in Pennsylvania. And then Franco and Rogan just walk into some club and people cheer while Rogan makes movie references. And they sit down to talk in this circle of directors where actors are playing like George Lucas and Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, Paul Schrader, Brian DePaul, like all of these like, you know, old classic horror, like, you know, not horror, uh, 70s (laughs) directors and like we're just getting movie references about Taxi Driver, Star Wars, Jaws, Jaws, and it's, it's it. I'm confused as to like what year in the 70s does this take place? If we're talking about Star Wars, Jaws, and like Taxi Driver, that's, and that's a, my we, thing. we get an uh, Apocalypse Now reference later. Like what? What the? And they're filming it later. So like, when does this take place? It's such a hodgepodge of just references to the 70s, like. I like I get it. like if they sat there and just went oh it's references to movies made in 1973 then I'm like okay cool I'm following I understand that but it's no they just reference movies from the 70s and I'm like 
come on. No, that's so dumb. Why are we doing that? Just just stick you can you can hone it in more. It's okay. Also, I I don't know why, but this scene rubbed me the wrong way. It felt like such a like self-important movie looking at itself going like do you know who they are and you're just like yes i know who george lucas is i'm not a moron you're like it's it i don't know this 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 part of the movie really kind of irritated me because it just felt like the movie was just kind of just patting itself on the back going like these classics ah yes the old movies and it's like i don't know did you ever see the weird al movie no, but I want to. Okay, so do you, do you care if I spoil a little bit of it? No, no, you're good. You're okay, good. go for it. So in this movie, we there's like a scene at a party where it's like, and this is going to make sense in a second, where it's like we get Andy Warhol, Gallagher, Tiny Tim, Alice Cooper, and um, uh, Salvador Dali, like a, a random assortment of like people in pop culture. But the way that movie approaches it is it, it slowly introduces things and it becomes more and more ridiculous to where you like you are you're like you're following the story at the beginning but then you're just fucking laughing at the end like you are in on the joke here mm-hmm. it's like they introduce all these movies from the 70s but there's like no context as like okay when this is and it doesn't it doesn't reach for that laugh so yeah i don't know in zeroville's case maybe should have just stuck to like i don't know classic maybe like spielberg's working on jaws or um, or sorry, fucking uh, George Lucas is working on Star Wars, like you know, like something that makes nat- sense in the natural timeline, or yeah, something, something along the lines of like, hey, have you seen this American Graffiti movie? And they're like, oh, you mean that George Lucas flick? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. And he's like, and, and someone goes, ah, he'll never make it, or something like that. Because then you're like, oh, okay, it's just because you're like, oh, okay, that makes that makes f- closer fucking sense, <laughs> like. At least American Graffiti is a little closer to the timeline than Star Wars. Like, just, it's, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And if it takes place in 1969, like it said at the beginning. So later, Franco gets offered alcohol, which he hasn't drank before. Remember, he used to work in seminary when he sees Megan Fox, who apparently gives good blowjobs in this movie. So Franco chugs a bottle of vodka. Word. And then goes to talk to Fox, and this scene, it's just cut weird. We get random shots of the beach, then back to their conversation. And Franco does, like, bad flirting. There's this little girl who's with Fox, asks if Franco is a gangster. He did play a gangster in Spring Breakers, if if you didn't know that. So Franco is like, did I know you a long time ago? We get flashes of old movies. Then he passes out. Random flashes, a time lapse. Then to a TV playing The Three Stooges okay now we're in a hotel back with franco just, it just randomly cuts and uh, like well, let's talk let's talk, about, let's talk about the editing at the end because uh, like okay i don't know if, like the, the audience needs to understand how weird this movie goes from scene to scene like okay and that's fair yeah that's fair. yeah okay so franco's in his hotel someone enters his room and franco's like what the fuck is this he goes over like has a tv and hits this burglar over the head with his fucking like tube TV. The next thing you know, Craig motherfucking Robinson is tied up in a chair. It's like, it's like just, a, 
They're just talking and making entrance. old movie references, like a it's Montgomery a sitcom entrance. Oh my god, he just tries to break it, and one, he hits him with the tube TV, and the tube TV doesn't fucking break. Like, that's that's the that's one of the more surprising things that he whacks a guy with the whole ass tube TV, and it doesn't explode. But on top of that, yeah, exactly. They just sit around and make movie references, and I'm like, I I, I did stop at one point and just go, damn, so that's what we sound like. no 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 i just sat there and just was like was like oh my god all they do is it's like all they do is make references i was like there's no there's no progression there there's no moving things forward it's just craig robinson stops by for a little meet cute and just like talks about movies and then oh bye craig as he like leaves fucking i you're like i hate this i hate this yeah, so these two guys are sit around, and Craig asks about the model, and Franco says it's a model of, of a divinity school that he built, and then boom, my daughter Clementine is on TV. But Franco's like, you know what? I'm going to let you go, Craig. Um, don't break into my house anymore. So Franco unties him, but Craig just kind of like stays and watches some Henry Fonda, as we all should do, and then Franco goes to bed um, when he's like, and Franco asks when... Uh, Craig Robinson, when you watch movies, do you dream? But then, boom, doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. Next scene, Franco's working, tells his supervisor about like some arch he's painting, and he's basically giving lore to this painting. And the supervisor's like, "I don't give a shit, just get it done." But then, boom, we're back with Jackie Weaver. We're back in her office. Franco watches her work. She's editing, and Jackie invites her in. So Jackie set up a place for the sun for Franco. Then gives a lesson on film editing to Franco, and she gushes over Montgomery Glyft, and then ends with the word "fuck continuity," which I really was hoping she would say "fuck this movie." So yeah, Frank- exactly. It's it's. I heard I heard I heard "fuck," and then I heard "e," and I was like, "Oh my god, are they are they looking inwards?" And then I just heard continuity. Yeah, exactly. I just heard continuity, and I was like, "Oh." They think they're being smart. So Franco wants to learn how to edit now. So they smoke cigarettes and cut film. More montages of film editing. Oh, I so strange. Quick sideline. This movie one loves montages, which personally, I think montages can be fantastic. I really do. I think. You know what? You can have Rocky, everything. I love a good Rocky montage. Exactly. You could have you could have montages like like cool montages like Rocky. You can have cheesy ones that are kind of awesome, like in a Karate Kid. And then you can have like really cool, powerful montages like in Requiem for a Dream. Or Pie. Then you yep. can also just have this series of what the fuck shots of James Franco splicing a movie that makes you go. What the fuck? I have a question. Who has more montages? Uh, this movie or Bratz? Ooh. I think it's, Ooh, the, that's I think actually, it's this one. That, I think it's this one. That's a tough one. I think, yeah, I think this movie beats out Bratz by a little bit. I would no, honestly like, rather. It's close. It's very close. I would do it a lot. <laughs> I would rather watch the fucking Bratz montages. <laughs> so uh, Franco finds a film called uh vampiros lesbos which apparently is an actual movie so like you can go out and watch that if you want to it's porn so franco is just enamored by this 
But then later, Rogan calls Franco, and uh, Rogan's in the Philippines, and he wants Franco to come film with him in the jungle because uh, Jackie I, Weaver put a good word for him. Quick sideline. You said Rogan, and I know you mean Seth Rogan. Joe Rogan is in this movie. My brain defaulted to Joe Rogan. Go, just He just calls up this same, like into this movie that takes place in the 70s. It's just like... <laughs> Yo, you want to do DMT and like and like eat elk meat? Listen, can we can we just uh? Can, I mean, Chat GPT is a thing, so if we want to take the script of this movie and take all of Seth Rogen's dialogue and then just splice it in with Joe Rogan's voice, that we can't do that. Oh my god, that we would can't do that. That'd be so fucking funny. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. I have a free weekend. I might have a free weekend coming up, and I might just—I don't know—do that with my time. <laughs> like you're like, Lord, give me strength. Give me strength. So, uh, yeah. So Seth Rogan calls Franco. He's in the Philippines, and he wants Franco to come film with him in the jungle because Jackie put in a good word for him. So Franco doesn't want to leave Hollywood, but um, Rogan says like, "Hey, listen, everywhere is Hollywood." He's like, "Okay, fair enough." So later, Franco leaves the studio lot when Megan Fox calls out to him. She sits by a fountain, and Franco's career is taken off. Fox's career isn't going anywhere, presumably because it looks like she's reading off of a cue card in this scene. Oh my god, it's it's like I can still better than James Franco, I'd say. Oh yeah, well at least she at least she's giving a shit. Like James, I okay. I'll do. I'll give the inflection of Megan Fox's voice, and then I'll give the inflection of James Franco's voice. Wow, my career—it's not really going anywhere. And then here's James Franco's. My career is currently going somewhere. And you're like, okay, all right. You're like, just yeah, just. I guess she sounds better, but I. Oh my god, I can literally see her eyes as they go from left to right as she's reading the cue card. So then Franco is like, if I made all the movies, I'd put you in every single one. And isn't that, that just so sweet? That's he, so, just so wonderful. He talks to her like a middle schooler talks to his crush. It's, it's like the Napoleon Dynamite bit where it's him and uh, I forget what the girl's name is, but they're sitting at lunch and she's sitting there drinking like the 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 1% milk or whatever and he's like you could drink whole milk if you if you wanted to like you totally could and it's just supposed to be weird <laughs> he's doing this unironically and it's like, so I, bad like i feel like he, i feel like that's just like that he's trying to play a point of like hey that's who this character is i don't know i cuz zeroville is actually based off of a book and I feel like I would need to like actually sit down and read the book to properly. I got to read this damn yeah. book. I got to read this damn book. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Cause if this, cause if it's anything like this movie, it's probably not going to be an enjoyable read. Unfortunately. Oh, hell no. So now we're in the Philippines. So Seth Rogen and James Franco, they talk in the jungle and then they watch Marlon fucking Brando act. Now, if you know the story of Marlon Brando and apocalypse now, he's doing, that which also i just want to point out so the beginning was at 1969 so now we're just all of a sudden in the late 70s apocalypse now came out in 79 but you know that's neither here no yeah i i 
Love that you pointed that fucking out. Love that you pointed that out. They're like, they're like, hey kid, I know it's 1969 and your career's just taken off, but you need to be in the Philippines for your apocalypse now. It's and it's just you're like, what happened to the other nine fucking years? It's he tried to, I don't know, use those years to cut off his arm and go fight Spider-Man or some shit. <laughs> I forgot about Bro Goblin, where he's like, where he's like surfing. Dude, Snowboardy Goblin. Goblin. Yeah. Snowboardy Goblin. Yeah, Snowboard Goblin. He goes, yo, Peter, hang 10, bro. So now Franco watches this fucking Brando act. And now we're back to editing. So we're still in the Philippines. Franco's like set up in this shack. And Rogan comes up like editing some explosions, you know. His whole thing is, again, fuck continuity. Franco asks about the lesbian vampire movies. It, it appears he's still hung up on Megan Fox. But Seth Rogen's like, nope, she's crazy. Don't. And, you know, we like like I should have fucking listened about my ex. Sorry. Sorry. Um, uh, so, 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 <laughs> You're like, James, the worst. This is literally dark timeline. Literally me character. <laughs> this, this, this quite literally could have been me just sitting in an editing bay just when shit just when like everything's just fucking gone wrong and i'm like exactly. in just a shack somewhere in the in like in the, thailand in the, yeah exactly and then you get a call from someone and they're Rogan just like calls me seth rogan calls you and goes we gotta record apocalypse now what what i want to go to that i want to know what happened I, I i'm just curious i want to talk to me in that universe <laughs> you're just like you're like, like hey man i i have no idea what's going on and i have no idea if you're good or not so okay now franco he walks through the jungle and I guess he's got service in the philippines because he gets a call and it's from will ferrell he wants franco to come work with him on a film that megan fox is in franco's like say no more i'm in so now franco arrives in new york he's still carrying around that fucking model that he has <laughs> So Franco and Farrell, they meet. It's like super stylized for some reason. Like they do that like man handshake that like Rocky and Apollo Creed did. And they like snap zoom on it. And Farrell oh, finishes I, up that monologue I, that we had from the beginning. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Love the camera snap zoom. We've. We love a good snap we, zoom here. Th- that's a pretty good snap zoom. It's <laughs> it's as you know what is there's something about the mess of midnight podcast and snap zooms that just ends up coming together weirdly, weirdly often. Except I want it to be like a snap zoom to where it's like snap zooming like a little bit too close. Like maybe like just like six inches or a foot, like a little bit, like just a little bit too close. We're like, oh, fu-, like we're zooming yeah, in exactly. on like their face, but it's like their eyes, their nose and their mouth. And then like that's just taking up the entire fucking it's, screen. Exactly. It just it looks like they're, it's looking like they're peering through a porthole. <laughs> like they're just like, like they're, it's just it's like, oh, no, it's like the Looney Tunes logo as it like shrinks and you just see his face as it snap zooms in. <laughs> So, okay, so uh, Pharrell finishes up that monologue from the beginning. Franco says he's not working on anything right now, but, you know, he'll edit his movie. So we go to the editing bay. He watches Megan Fox kiss this guy and throw money on her, which (sighs) imagine getting paid to edit a film where you're getting cucked. Like, just think about that for a second. That's that's tough. That's That's fucking rough, bro. That's that's a rough one. That's that's not something that you just sit there and you're just like, hey. You're not, you're, not like, you're not like you're not I intended that. on this happening. Yeah, you're not you're not like I intended on this occurring. You're like you're like I need a new career. 
<laughs> so next scene, Franco watches a movie in a theater alone. It's of a woman crying and getting her head shaved. He cries too. And then we cut to Megan Fox getting burned alive. But it doesn't fucking matter because it was a dream in Franco's apartment. So Megan Fox knocks on his door while he was sleeping. Fox enters and she asks about Franco editing the film. And Franco's like, I've been watching you for weeks. And then just starts spitting fun film facts. Just, you know, he off says, the dome. yeah, exactly. It's again, dark timeline driver. He's, <laughs> he's literally just, he literally just says the worst shit. He talks like a fucking middle schooler. Like he talks like a middle schooler. She's like, she's like, Oh, are you working on the film? I'm working on. And he goes, yeah, I've been watching you. And you're like, okay. All right, bud. There's a way you can phrase that. That isn't very uncomfortable. You know, you know, next time, next time I'm editing one of the short films I'm working on, I'm just going to randomly text the actor and be like, I've been watching you for weeks now. <laughs> and just, I just say nothing after that. It's got to, it's you. you <laughs> there's no way that could be anyone other than a very close friend. Because if you were just like, just a, an actor that you hired, just to sit there and just be like, I'm watch. I've been watching you for a while now. Like they're not gonna be. They're gonna be like, what? I'm getting put on a list like immediately. Yeah, no, like, like yeah. You think the cops are gonna just treat that normally? Like they're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's a normal. That's a normal thing to say. So Fox is like, hey, like one of her actress friends died. Her daughter's in L.A. and she's like, are you doing anything right now, James Franco? And he's like, I know a good club. But then next thing you know. This guy, keep in mind, this guy used to be a, um, in, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, seminary. Semi- seminary. That's the word. That, that's the word. Words are hard sometimes. So he used to be in seminary, but he's like, oh, this is a good place. And he takes you to a punk rock show. He takes- or like the city from Radioactive Dreams. <laughs> no, it's, so he take okay, here, a, he used to be a seminary. How did he find CBG? So for those that don't know, CBGBs is like one of the most famous clubs in punk rock. It's kind of Iggy Pop, the Sex Pistols, the Clash. It's pretty much a who's who of famous punk rock artists played in CBGBs. It's a very famous bar, closed down, RIP. That being said, how did a fucking person from seminary find a bar like that that was not some some easy going bar that was a shitty club and this was before the the internet too like you had people looking for that shit it's it's in the hood and it was also in like is this is not new york now that was new york in the fucking 70s like it was a tough ass place (laughs) so okay so fox is freaked out by the loud music while franco just fucking jumps right into the mosh pit you know (laughs) respect good good for him so then we get intercuts between franco and fox fucking and then fox and franco running into each other in a field they're sleeping together it's intercut of like a lot of things that i just did not have the chance to write down so it's an exhausting montage of just them frolicking and having sex it's just that it's Dude, that's like, just that's just what a relationship is you know back in the 70s you know with all the hippies just, and shit just frolicking and fucking I say it's all the it's all the acid that that they were taking. They're just like they were just like we're gonna run through some grass and have a lot of sex. <laughs> so okay, next scene. Jackie answers the phone and Franco's calling. They talk about movies and Franco's like, "Did you know that a place in the sun? Did you know what it was gonna be?" Because Jackie edited a place in the sun. She was like, "I didn't know it was gonna be great." 
Jackie's like, you know, a few sublime pictures they seem to live before they're ever even made. Cool. You're like, scene- you're like, <laughs> I heard that and I was just, I just thought to myself, just went, word. Hell, so, like, hell, like this, whole se- this whole scene in this whole movie is just, hey, movies are great. We should make more movies like they did in the 70s. Isn't that right, guys? Oh, my God. It really, this, this movie, okay. This movie has the same sort of they don't make them like they used to energy as those guys who exclusively listen to 90s rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it's just, you just, you play, like, you sit there and you'll just play Future and then someone will just turn, the, the, that guy will just turn you and just go, we should put on some Tupac. You're like, shut up. You're like, you're like, you're like I, mean, I, I mean, like, you're like, I mean, respect Tupac, but I know the vibes you're going for. No. Exactly. Yeah. Or it's just like, you're just like, hey, let's listen. You're like, hey, I know this is a party on a Friday night. Let's listen to some Black Thought. You're like, you're like, hey, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying, for the love of God, bud, we're trying to have fun. <laughs> time and a place, dude. Time and a place. Okay. So later, Fox and Franco, they take a taxi somewhere. It's night outside. So Fox goes up and leaves Franco in the cab to go grab something. And Franco exits the cab to watch Megan Fox. And then she enters a car. But then we just fucking cut away from that to the guy from to that guy from the movie Franco was editing, holding a knife to Fox in some living area. And now we're back with Franco in the editing bay. And Franco's cutting up the footage when the phone rings. It's Will Farrell. And Farrell's like, yo, where the fuck is my movie? Come by my house tomorrow. I'm having a gig. You got it. We just fucking go to that gig immediately with uh, Megan Fox and James Franco entering Will Farrell's nice ass house. So Will's like, yo, why are you here with Megan Fox? You're an editor. I'm the producer. She should be with someone like me. So they're like, James Franco and Will Farrell are like circling this fucking piano. And like, Will's like, did you put the sex scene in? Franco's like, no. Will was like, why? I shot that scene. And like, I don't fucking know what's going on here. Will tells everyone to go by the pool. And then can, out by the I, pool. <laughs> can I just ha- very quickly? I just want to. No, no you cannot, in. Michael. You must shut the fuck up. This is, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm I'll kidding. Just, I'm uh, kidding. Just, no, no, no. So <laughs> I just, I just got to jump in and just say, and granted, this is, this isn't me like knocking Will Ferrell. This isn't because like I, he was, he can do serious stuff and he was great and everything must go. But Will Ferrell mad is a weird thing. I got to get used to. To see like, him as like an actor that mad. isn't comedy. Yeah, like properly mad. Because he was just yelling at this movie. And I was like, this is so weird. I was like, this is weird. I mean, I've seen him like yell and be be angry in like Anchorman, but that's more like comedic mad. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, exactly. I've seen him I've seen him sad in Anchorman too, but I wouldn't call it sad. <laughs> him <laughs> screaming, I'm in a glass case of emotion. I didn't go. He's crying because Dude, he's, he means it. He's really going through it right now. <laughs> yeah. But so, but yeah, sideline. So okay. So out by the pool, uh, Will just starts a dance party while Franco watches angrily, and Will Farrell is just snapping and doing like that white person dancing while wearing like a yellow suit jacket. And this scene is just a prime example of why white people should be banned from dancing. I don't know if you agree with that, Mike, but the, the, the rhythm, the rhythm just brings pure pain to white people. It's kind of it's it, every white person dances as if 
someone is holding a gun to and a gun to their loved one's head. It's just okay, I'm just dancing. It was like, or it's just oh, or it's like, or it's like they're sitting there doing the old west thing where they shoot at their feet and they're like, "Come on, dance!" And you're like, "Oh, okay." You're like, "I'll I'll do the electric slide. Please don't hurt me." I'll sing "Sweet Caroline" as loud as you want me to. It's you've been coming out of your cage and you've been doing what? And you're like, just fine, just fine. So, okay, so Will Ferrell puts his arm around Megan Fox, who feels extremely uncomfortable, and Franco turns to leave. So the next scene, Franco just sits in the dark, and Fox joins him back at their hotel room. And Franco is like, is that house where, uh, that house is where they filmed your scene? Fox was like, how was it watching me die? What? And then Franco says, I liked watching you die because I can bring you back to life. And Fox is like, I don't think the movie would make much sense if you did that. The movie middle really schoolers, you, huh? middle schoolers, dude. It's so. What's up with this it, podcast and like fucking edgy dialogue? It's like, like really. We had this, the number twenty three. Like, I'm sure A Night to Dismember had some weird ones in it sprinkled throughout, but it's I don't just... know, I couldn't hear it over all of that ADR. <laughs> God, God, that movie was so fucking funny. <laughs> but but it, it, it's totally different. But it's just like, yeah, why is this, why is this scene so damn edgy? Like, it's just, you just be like, oh, yeah, it was, it was cool. You're like, oh, okay, nice. Okay, so... So Franco just starts simping over Megan Fox, and we get more flashes of Montgomery Clift, all while Franco compliments Fox using Joan of Arc as his template. And it turns out <laughs> Fox was institutionalized in Norway. Okay, now Aren't James we Franco, all are dude, we all spiritual? My body spiritually, I'm in Norway. Spirit, spirit, spiritually, I, I want that. I want that. On, I want that on a shirt, dude. Spiritually, I'm gonna, uh, like I'm, I'm just hunting penguins, or not, not hunting penguins. Hunting, uh, I don't know what, what's, what's, what, 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 what hunting do? elk. Like, your happy feet. <laughs> I'm hunting <laughs> elk in Norway. No, no, I'm just imagining like all Norwegian people just hunting penguins. I just. <laughs> All Norwegian people hunt penguins. Change my mind. You just see an emperor penguin tap dancing like he's fucking Fred Astaire. And you just see someone like fucking like a Norwegian man like Conan the Barbarian just leap with a spear and just gore it. Listen, I want to see the Norwegian cut of a March of the Penguins. I want to hear Morgan Freeman speak some, uh, what do they they speak? Do they speak Norwegian? Is that a language? Is Norwegian a language? Hold up, let me see. (laughs) We're, we're having a Somalia. We're not a Somalia. What is it? Uh, what is it? What was the uh, yep, Samoan? Norwe- Samoan. Yeah. So, yep. Norwegian is a language. Did you say Somalian? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it was a some. It was a some uh, <laughs> like name. I was kind of just like I just picked one. Okay. Wait. Okay. Now I need to find. Now I need to find my place. Okay. My nose. Okay. Here we are. So now Franco's awake, and Franco's like, "Hey, I saw you on screen." I saw you in Joan of Arc. You were burning. You told me something about Oslo. But that doesn't fucking matter because we move on because we smash cut on the editing office 
with Franco's name on the outside and everything is fucking green, like Franco just entered the fucking Matrix, but it doesn't matter because Franco storms out and goes into Will Ferrell's office and uh, Will Ferrell is showing these two other executives the movie. And Franco is like, you killed the movie. You killed my movie, showing more emotion than he's shown like this entire fucking time. So Will Ferrell is like, what the fuck? Then escorts him out and then takes Franco into another office and is like, yo, what the fuck? They start throwing paper. Franco's like, art (laughs) takes time. Well, Will's like, you know what? Fuck you. I brought on another editor. The other editor said that Franco wasn't competent, but um, and said, and I quote, he's editing in a way I've never seen before. So it turns out Franco actually isn't fired for now, but he just needs to finish it. And Will Ferrell's like, also, leave Megan Fox alone. Actresses are nothing but trouble. <sighs> have, to breathe, have to breathe there for a second. Yeah, exactly. You need to take a second after, after, that, after that rigorous, rigorous paper-throwing match that occurred just between pa- the two of them. Paper-throwing and just... Yeah, movies are weird, guys. <laughs> movies are weird. <laughs> movies be weird. Movies be weird. So later, back in another taxi, back to doing the same thing as before, Megan Fox leaves the cab, Franco watches, exits the cab, walks over to see uh, Megan Fox talking to someone in a car. So Franco looks in the car, it's Megan Fox's daughter. So Franco punches through the glass of the car, she gets scared, then offers for the both of them to stay with James Franco. Word? He does He does the fucking Grand Theft Auto thing where he just fucking smashes a window and to break into a car. Also, I don't know. Quickly, I don't know anymore. Why did he why did he break the window? He could have just turned to Megan Fox and been who the hell is that in the car? Get her out of the car now. And she's like, "Ooh, calm down. He goes, I'm not going to calm down until that child is out of the car. It's just like. Why did he, that felt. That felt like he was like solving. He was like he was like doing surgery with like with like a buzz saw. You're like okay. You're like hey bud, we could we could take this very carefully instead of just jumping to the like I'll save you bit that you did. I don't know. He let his intrusive thoughts win. That's what happened. He really did. He really did. I can just hear Mississippi Queen playing as he like smashes the window <laughs> open and like breaks into the car. So back at the apartment, Franco falls asleep in a chair, wakes up, and then Fox's daughter is gone, and the door is open. So Franco leaves the apartment, going out looking for her, and then he finds uh, Fox's daughter sitting on a park bench, and the daughter says that Megan Fox lies, and she watched Casablanca last night. Uh, She doesn't get the, someday you'll understand that line of the movie. And Franco's like, you know, uh, I think you're right. Okay, so back to editing Megan Fox. So Franco gets a call. Fox had to leave town with her daughter and won't be returning to New York suddenly. So back at the hotel now, Franco walks in. Then we get another montage of Franco at this punk rock show. He has visions of Megan Fox, as we all did at one age. And it's intercut <laughs> with editing footage and Franco edits and dances. And then we cut to Will Ferrell and Frank and James Franco watching the movie with the executives. And they are loving it. The movie called Your Pale Blue Eyes is Going to Venice. Yeah, it's it's hell. Yeah, it's and and unlike and unlike most of the visions we had as a child with uh, Megan Fox, uh, this one doesn't involve someone in a very grizzled voice saying Sam Witwicky. 
mean, I'm not, I mean, if that if that was in this movie, I you know, I think that'd just be a, if Optimus Prime was in this movie, I think I dog if Optimus like James Franco goes to Venice and you just see Optimus Prime dive roll over with the one of the canals. My name is Optimus Prime. That was a terrible Optimus Prime. I tried. I fucking oh, tried. My name is Prime. <laughs> so okay, now we're in Venice. And Franco asks about the buttons on his shirt while he rides on a boat. He can't figure out how a suit works. Then we randomly cut to Jackie, who is passed out. We'll come back to her. So we cut back to Franco at this premiere, and people are taking pictures of him, and he gets brought up on stage. He won an award or something, wearing a medal with a trophy and an open shirt and everything. And apparently the guy presenting the award mispronounced uh, James Franco's name. And by the way, his name in this film is Viker hell of a name so outside he gets sworn by paparazzi and he's like my name is viker with a k and just starts loudly saying his names his name and his opinion on movies it's and that that's that's just how he's answering these paparazzi i feel like i feel like that's how we would react if we got swarmed by paparazzi if for some fucking reason one of us ended up like becoming rich or ended up in the news for another reason it's we would just sit there and just be like our name is so and so and i i like drive or my name is so and so and and radioactive dreams is worth watching radioactive dreams is an underappreciated masterpiece and i'm not gonna stand by any longer <laughs> i i will not be silenced i will not be silenced <laughs> so franco is now inside talking to will ferrell on the phone so will calls franco like a, a lunatic and he's like that's a good thing so franco asks about megan fox and he's like eh, don't worry about her also sorry about jackie weaver i know she was very important to you knock on the door will got franco a present and it's a woman who i guess is a prostitute all right then. So we cut to Franco riding around on a boat in Venice while he marks his this medal up with his nails. And we cut to a graveyard where Franco left his medal on Jackie's grave. And then now we cut back to Will Farrell and Franco in some glass house. They hug and Will's like, what's next? But Franco is still hung up on Megan Fox. Like Machine Gun Kelly probably is. So <laughs> Will says, Don't worry about it. I was, dude, I, I just want to say I was waiting for one of us to jump on the Machine Gun Kelly bit. Like I was I was like, I was like, damn, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's just a matter of time. You know, Machine Gun Kelly, maybe you don't diss Eminem and Corey Taylor. Otherwise, neither me or Mike would have come after you, dude. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Stone Sour and the real Slim Shady are both bangers. <laughs> so, okay. So Will says, you know, don't worry about it. Megan Fox is living with me. She's here. We're living together. Oh, yeah. And her daughter. So Franco is like probably reacting how Machine Gun Kelly did when he heard about this. Sorry. Last time. Last time. And just fucking <laughs> runs out of there. To eat shit, Colton. Your name is Colton. Who the fuck names their kid that? <laughs> and he's from Ohio. I just kind of feel sorry for him because of that. That is that is true. That's like that's like that's like that's like losing the that's like losing the lottery. You know, you can only win the lottery, but he lost the lottery. <laughs> so okay, we get intercuts of Franco walking down the street and just being the fucking main character of his own story. And then Franco walks into a movie theater to see a movie. Megan Fox is sitting behind him. They talk, and the movie they're seeing is a racer head. <laughs> Classic. Easy, easy movie, dude. E easy, easy, digestible. 
casual watch. So now Fox <laughs> is like, if anything happens to me, take care of my little girl. I'll see you in the movies. And then she Real. fucking disappears. Real quick one. The movies that Frank, a couple, <clears throat> from this point on, the movies that Franco watches are just, he watches some crazy ass movies. And we'll, oh, yeah. we'll touch oh, yeah. on them. Oh, yeah. We'll touch on them. But he watches some wild movies, like some wild movies. So, okay. So Franco just sits in the theater, cut to Megan Fox driving. Music plays as we cut between them. And through the shots, we can infer that Megan Fox drove into oncoming traffic, unaliving unaliving herself. So next scene, we're at a funeral. Will Ferrell gives a eulogy. One of his lines is, I'm for life. Love the the humility, dude. So Franco shows up and stands next to her daughter. The daughter's like, listen to this asshole. We're all cliches. More middle school dialogue. So Will is monologuing just kind of about empty nothings. So the daughter and Franco talk, and the daughter has been making music. Franco wants to help her. The daughter wants to come stay with Franco. And Will Ferrell starts singing at this funeral, which, God, when he did that, I could only imagine that one scene in Step Brothers. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. I saw that. I was just like, hell yeah. You're like, I got that reference. So. Franco watches, enters the funeral, then fucking punches Will Ferrell in the face, walks away while Will Ferrell falls into the pool. And oh, yeah, by the way, Seth Rogen is at this funeral. Just, you know, the thought you'd wonder where 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 he'd been. He he Hey, he <laughs> they brought him back in because in case you forgot about him. Nope, he's still here. Somehow, some way. So later, Franco and daughter, they're walking down the street when, oh yeah, speaking of actors you forgot were in this movie, Craig Robinson tries to rob him at gunpoint. And Craig's like, oh shit, what up, man? You seen Raging Bull? So then they have a conversation. Oh yeah, Franco gets robbed. Actually, he just gives he just gives Craig Robinson $100. And he's like, oh yeah, I saw what you did in Venice. Bye. And then fucking leaves. Why? What are these sitcom entrances? He just... Craig Robinson doesn't serve any point in this movie. Like, and I know a lot of times I'll say that and you can make an argument for, oh, they push the character to do X or Y. And then the argument devolves into did Craig, did like a famous movie star need to be involved to make that push Mm -hmm. this time? I don't mean that scenario. I mean, the entire role that Craig Robinson filled, the entire scenes that he populated, were unnecessary. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like as yeah, in, I mean, they, they could be no removed, purpose. and they served no damn purpose. Yeah, one of the things they teach you, like with editing, is like, do you really need this? Do you really need this scene? If you don't, cut it. Mm-hmm. Like that. That like that's just. You have to cut the scenes that just don't add anything to your film. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. This and the Danny McBride stuff didn't add anything to this movie. And in fact, I'm kind of confused as to what even this movie is adding to, you know, movies. As you know, oh, you released yeah. a movie, like what like what is what are you trying to what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? I don't really have an answer for this. If you're like, oh, it's just mindless schlock, this is entertainment for Whatever, then okay, fine. But I'm a little bit more critical when you're doing like an art house piece like this. What are you trying to say? Yeah, that's 
that's my biggest problem is like is like if this was a dumb exploitation movie like we've covered a bunch of times over then you can stop and just go oh okay cool yeah whatever who who cares you're not trying to push a message you're trying to have fun my lord above they're trying to do something they really are i just don't know what the hell it is so okay so next scene we move on uh Franco and daughter, they're watching an art house movie. I don't know which one. And, you know, Franco starts having visions of Fox and of Megan Fox in this movie. So they leave. So Franco and daughter go up to the projection room where he steals the film off a projector while the projectionist is just like, um, the fuck. So Franco has the reel of this reel of film and is examining it. And he finds the frame that Megan Fox is in and he splices it out. For the next scene, Franco takes a copy of Joan of Arc to the editing bay and Franco talks to this guy that's working there that talks about the original cut of Joan of Arc. They showed the original cut to mental patients in Oslo, Norway. Cool. So now it's it's, it's turning into a number 23 scenario. Dude, it's all Norway. It's all it's, Norway. <laughs> the Norwegians, the Norwegians are at it again. So, okay. So now Franco and daughter, they're driving somewhere in the desert in daytime. They park at this drive-in and Franco stares at the screen seeing a reflection in it, and then a film starts playing on the screen in broad daylight, and Franco just screams and runs out of the car, and the daughter's like, no, James Franco, come back. But then we get random cuts of the model Franco has now, and I guess it's scaled up, and we are inside the model or the actual place. Now Franco is running down the hallways of an asylum and is following a person in there, and it's like in black and white, and he finds a film case that I think is supposed to be the original copy of Joan of Arc. But now we're in color and Franco cuts out a piece of the film of Joan of Arc in his editing bay. And now he's just slicing Megan Fox out of all of these movies. And he's screaming to the heavens and having a mental breakdown while watching all this film, like film reels, just falling all around him. Like his floor is absolutely fucking covered in that shit. It's- it's it's so much can i just say that it's too much it's too much it's too much film and it's also just like too much this movie yeah, is exactly. too much like, this man collapses and has his whole mental breakdown and he's just he's running through the hallways of his thing and he's he finds the joan of art clip and he splices it you're like oh my god you could just you could just make it a class like you could have trimmed this down. Like that felt so over the top to me. I was like, God. I feel like I need a cigarette after that scene. <laughs> Someone give me a Marlboro. <laughs> so, okay. So next scene, Franco finds his uh, d- uh, daughter at this punk rock show. She calls him insane. Then she gets on the stage to sing. I want to dedicate this song to a real motherfucker. And Franco watches her sing and her singing is something i i can't talk because i can't sing but you know mike i'm sure you can say as a music guy it's something it's something see my favorite thing is the the the, so she's singing i want to be your dog by the stooges which is a classic song great song highly recommend it the problem with i want to be your dog in this movie's context is the singers they had, they selected to be like, to, to like sing along with it. It's just, they they suck. (laughs) Like it's so bad. It's this shrilly, like, 
like just like almost a shriek. Mm -hmm. It's just so it's just too much. So, yeah, we get. So Franco's like vibing now and he's just watching and pump fist pumping with the music. Then we get more audio of Montgomery Clift and Franco has a vision of him. Then we cut to a red tinted hallway. Franco enters his room, 928, sits down on the bed and has a vision of Montgomery Clift in his room making himself a drink. So Franco and Clift talk about Clift's accident when he died and Jesus Christ, this guy that plays Montgomery Clift is Dave fucking Franco because you know oh of course God. of course you gotta have it's, him it's you gotta be gotta, it's gotta be him it's gotta be another Franco we gotta have another Franco and it's gotta be debonair Dave Franco standing in a corner I think there's like another Franco like Tom Franco I think like no one know like, is, uh, no one no one's heard of him like what does he do how many Francos how how deep does the Franco go how deep does how deep does the Franco verse go uh yeah okay Spider-Man enter the franco verse i mean he's got a wikipedia page i don't see any filmography on there but oh well now i gotta learn about the franco tom, tom franco has a uh has a wikipedia page oh well shoot has a wikipedia page why wasn't oh. he in this movie who knows so so cliff mon- monologues about how the person he was with elizabeth taylor reached and Cliff's like when um Elizabeth Taylor reached in Cliff's mouth and pulled out his teeth from his throat after an accident. So Cliff offers Franco a drink. But then we cut to the daughter entering the editing bay with the film strewn everywhere and Fox's pictures are hanging up everywhere. But then we go back to the Franco's and Franco's like, am I possessed by the movies? Oh, my and, God. And Cliff says, just because you love something doesn't mean it loves you back. And Franco is like. There's a secret movie that's been hidden in all of the movies. <sighs> that's like just him, that's like Nicolas Cage coming in and saying, "I want to steal the Declaration of Independence," just like in Ghost Rider or some shit. It's 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 so. I heard that and I just literally stopped and just went, "I hate this." I literally went, "I hate this." That's like it's that's like that's like Walter White entering the world of Gumball and being like, "Jesse, we need to cook." Like it's just you're like you're like, "What the fuck?" God, god damn it. Okay, like why? Like okay, okay. There's a secret movie that's been hidden in all the movies. Okay, cool. What are we gonna do with that? What what's 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 this what's this message? What what are, what are we trying to do here? Like, okay, I'm here. Like, I'm here with you for the concept, but you are introducing this quite literally at the very end. What are you doing? Yeah, it's. I literally, I when they when he introduced that and just went, oh my god, there's movies within within a movie of all the movies ever made. I just went. I just literally opened up the remote and just went. Oh no, please don't tell me there's another like 30 minutes of this. And I clicked it and it just was like, oh no, you got like five. And I was like, are you serious? We're not gonna we're gonna introduce something this big and just give five minutes, like a little cliff notes at the end, just a BT dubs. Okay, so Cliff just says perhaps someone is trying to show you a way out or a way in. And Franco's like, I haven't slept for days. Cliff says, it's been before that, since before you went to the movies, since you were a boy, you must sleep now. She is waiting for you. So Jackie is now talking, shots of Megan Fox, and then boom, hard cut to rocks. Franco climbs down them. 
back at the hotel, Seth Rogen enters, sees Franco passed out on a bed. He thinks someone should call the police. But Seth Rogen says, you never got your place in the sun, did you? When we go back to the drive-in, we see Franco walking towards the screen and slowly fades away into nothingness. Then we cut to uh, Seth Rogen and the daughter smoking cigars and watching Monty Cliff movies. And Rogen and the daughter, they talk. The daughter requests to stop the film. And in the film, we see James Franco and Megan Fox dancing like just off screen, all complete with the head tattoo and everything. And the daughter's like, I guess they finally got their Hollywood ending. I, uh, I and that's fucking the, hated that. And that's the fucking, that's the movie, except for like a little bit where James Franco is in deliverance. I think I don't fucking know. That's the movie. <laughs> what does it mean? The, Who the fuck the, knows? He's in the scene where James Franco's in deliverance. I can just hear someone saying behind James Franco's ear, make you squeal like a pig. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <sighs> So so yeah that that's the movie. I think the most baffling thing about it would have to be just this confusing editing. And I know that like Jeez. there's a there's a movie editor in there like James Franco plays a movie editor. So I'm like okay, was that like a necessary was that a choice? But it's like rapidly cutting between like rapidly cutting between things and then just stopping and just like settle like settling in on one thing. And then just rapidly cuts again and then it just stops again. So like it's a very much like a stop, start, stop, start. I really was trying to find a way to somehow incorporate that into my drink. Like I was maybe thinking, okay, well, what if we divvy it up into like three shot glasses, um, a martini glass, then two more shot glasses, and like a martini glass. Like I tried to, I thought about doing something like that, but like that's kind of how this editing feels. Stop, start, stop, start, stop, it, start. Exactly. It feels like it feels like <sighs> It feels like it'll go from, hey, you should be sipping this drink. Like, they'll give you, like, like this movie gives you what, either one of our drinks, mm. just gives you a tall version of it and goes, okay, take a, take a nice, even, easy sip. And you're like, okay, okay. And you take a sip and it goes, stop, what the hell are you doing? And you're like, I just took one sip. And they're like, no, you gotta drink faster. Drink, 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 drink. And you're like, okay, all right, all right. And it goes, no, 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 what are you doing? Stop, 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 stop. And you're like, you told me to chug it. And they're like, the movie's like, no, 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 no. Come on, you gotta savor it. Gotta savor it. And I'm like, like, make up your damn mind. It's too choppy. I can't. And it just ends with like, okay, now things. you gotta funnel it. Now you gotta just fucking yeah. just down the hatch, shotgun it, fucking down, do it right now. Yeah, it's exactly. It's like the movie, the movie is too choppy for its own good. The movie tries to sit there and alternate like it's a damn roller coaster. Yeah, this this was I don't know, I think out of all of the movies we've talked about, like they all kind of have like a similar vibe to them. Like you'd expect them, you'd expect like us to cover Shopping Mall or Bucky Larson or Radioactive Drew. Like you expect us to cover those types of movies, even the good movies too. But this one just kind of like it's a bad art house movie. Those things, they feel like they're because art house movies are supposed to, you know, be that thing that makes you reflect on society at large. But having yeah. a bad one of those, it just it feels wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's see, the thing is, the, one of the one of the problems I have with art house movies, and this isn't like this by and large me going like, damn, art house movies to hell. But it's like. Art house movies, you're playing a very dangerous game mm -hmm. because if you make a bad art house movie, my 
my lord, you have made a bad movie. And it's not like that's because art house movies are open to interpretation, but it's more along the lines of art house movies. When you screw up, you screw up big. Mm-hmm. You like it, like a lot of stuff is blown wide open when you screw up an art house movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, yeah. And this movie, man, this movie really shat the bed mm-hmm. on like sticking the landing. It, I mean, it didn't even get launched off to begin with. <laughs> exactly that is true that is true it's like a gymnast routine but instead of a trampoline you get like jello i mean i was gonna just say just fucking concrete (laughs) that is true that's true too you just you just bring your legs up and like stamp the concrete and instead of going up you just break your ankles yeah well all right guys well you know that does it for this strange episode of the messed up at midnight podcast go follow us on instagram twitter youtube all that shit Guys, thank you so much for listening. Shout out to our fan. Shout out to our fans in Norway. You know, hey, dude, absolutely. Shout out to you shout guys. Out you, to shout you. out to you guys. You penguin hunting weirdos. <laughs> you penguin hunting bastards. <laughs> I'm not going to forgive you what you did to Happy Feet. March of the Penguins. Oh yeah, it's going to be March of the Penguins when it's like a fucking ten thousand of them just storming your village. <laughs> The, Nor- the Norwegians are going to see the army of penguins coming down from the north and they're just going to look at themselves and think, oh, God, is it 1945 again? <laughs> all right. Well, Mike do, you, Mike, do you have anything you want to add? Any any word, any shout out, anything at all? Just watch a goofy 80s movie. You don't need art house. <laughs> watch a stupid movie, guys. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we will see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody.